Hello and welcome to Robin and Stephanie's Crimeaholics podcast. And today we're going to do Jennifer Whipkey. It was a murder local to us. It occurred in West Effort, New Jersey. And we are on site tonight. We are at the area where she was murdered. Or, or her body was found, we should say. So, Jennifer was a 24-year-old 24 woman, and she had a 4-year-old little girl at the time of her death. From what we can piece together and, you know, what we have researched on the internet... Uh, she was enlisted in the Air Force, and she wanted to be an air traffic controller. And she was out that night at Adelphia's, which is a local club in the area, and was out with her friends. And her friends uh, left, and she knew this guy, Brian and thought it would be okay for him to give her a ride home. Apparently, it was not. Yeah, I mean, apparently, according to the facts, he picked her up about 3 a.m., and that was the last time anyone really saw her. Um, they did find her body behind a motel in the woods um, where Brian was living at the time. So, yeah, with multiple stab wounds. Um, so let me correct myself. She was 22. only 22 years old and had a four-year-old daughter. And this occurred on Memorial Day weekend in 2002. Um, he was apparently living at the motel. And one of the articles said that he was taking her to a uh, mobile home community, which is right down the street from here. And apparently she never made it. Her body was discovered from a delivery guy. Um, I guess he was doing deliveries and went to take a piss in the woods and found her there. She had 63 cut wounds. They were a mixture of uh, 41 stabs and like 22 slashes. There was 15 on her neck. She was like almost decapitated. And when they found her body, her clothes were disheveled and they were on inside out. Her shoes were on the wrong feet. Uh, apparently, he had raped her also. Do you want to turn, Steph? Well, that is the opinion of the court documents. Um, I don't think she was killed in the woods just because there's numerous reports that there was no pools of blood anywhere around where her body was found. Um, so she was obviously killed somewhere else. And... They say that he raped her, but it's possible 
from testimony from someone else during the trial that it, it's possible they may have just had, con, you know, could have been consensual sex and then something happened. But the semen is what comes into play as to why he But if it was, was consensual, she would have put her clothes on correctly and her shoes on the right feet. True. I mean, why would you take her clothes off? That's true. But I, I guess... I don't know. I guess I was, was more looking clean. That's right, what he but was I guess I was say. more looking at it like obviously he must have killed her somewhere else and and brought her body to the woods. So I read that now we're sitting at the end of the street where the motel is. It's a nasty little dirty rundown motel which they have changed the name to. And at the end of the street, there is uh, a greenhouse, um, you know, with flowers and such. And then the end of the street turns into a court. Now, this is all our opinions and our research. We obviously don't have the facts. But at the end of that street, there is a uh, court where you just turn around and go back down because it's like a dead end. So that's where we are now, and that's where we believe he dumped the body because there was really nothing that said exactly where he had dumped it. But I read in there that when this occurred and they found her, that they went through all the motel rooms. Did you read that? I did read that. So I, they didn't I, find any... Any blood or yeah. anything to that effect. Yeah, I, it's still kind of weird to me because I feel like if he was the last person to see her, like, I, I don't know, like I feel like it was really shoddy police work if you ask me. Like, they didn't really do too much investigation into it, I feel. I mean, did they really check all the rooms? I mean, that's what we read, but do we know if that's really what happened or, or what the case is? Yeah, and it took them, what was it, seven and a half years to even, you know... Arrest him. Arrest him, and they... I read where they did DNA testing of the people that were in this motel, but obviously not his. Right, I didn't read that, but I mean, I... I didn't read that they had done any DNA testing. I thought maybe they just searched the rooms, I think is what I had read, to see if there was any evidence of a struggle or her blood. Um, I don't, I didn't read that they did any And it's DNA a testing. dirty, nasty little hotel so that uh, some people live at. You can rent a room like by, by the, the hour. hour. <laughs> so, you know, it's a nasty little place. Right, and he was living there, so... You know, did he bring her back here and have sex with her and then kill? My whole thing is, is where did he kill her? How come they never found like a from from the amount of stab wounds that she had, she would have died quickly because she would have bled out like instantly. Who cleans up that much blood? And, and, yeah, and they and found not be able her to find it. like the next day. So I mean. And right. I, I don't really picture guys being good cleaners to begin with. And if Not a maid went a in there. You know, unless they're a serial killer. But I don't think that was the case with him. Yeah. And if a maid went in there, she would have reported it. Because she wouldn't have wanted to clean it. But it took them forever to charge him. 
He later got arrested for drugs, and I guess when you get arrested, they do fingerprints and DNA now? I'm, I guess let's see if they're involved in any other crimes. So that's where they matched up the DNA and finally had enough uh, evidence to charge him. So he wasn't convicted until 10-25-12, which was 10, 10, 10 years and 5 months after she was murdered. Right. So he apparently has filed an appeal and you can always find them online and it gives you a lot of the information of the crime but if they don't admit to the crime you're really getting their theory of what happened so that's where a lot of our information came from um she grew up in Clarksboro and went to uh Kingsway High School and she worked at Brothers Pizza in Paulsboro so the name around here if somebody hears it pretty much can relate you know to the murder and the murderer we'll call him just Brian um he's also from this area uh his his parents, his mom lived on, what is it, Dubois? Or yeah, what is Dubois it? Yeah. in Woodbury. Right. Um, and he was charged with first-degree murder, first-degree felony murder, and aggravated sexual assault. Did all of those charges stick? I think so. Or he just got one. So she was to 50 years. Yeah. So she was married and they had divorced or broke up like a year prior to her being murdered. And they kept going back to the ex-husband to be. And they kept trying to pin it on him. And that got so bad, he filed charges for them to leave him the hell alone. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't read that part. Yeah, so like, I mean... I think I think what happened in the trial that kind of did it for him was the inmate testimony of someone he was an inmate with who he basically admitted to it. Confessed that he, to. He confessed to this inmate that, you know, I killed her, I'm going to get away with it. He knew more details, like... Like, they kind of had, like, a relationship on the DL, you know what I mean? So they, they kind of, Brian and Jennifer had a relationship. So that's why when I heard that, that kind of made me think, like, okay, well, maybe, like, they just, you know, she was drinking, she was at the club, he picked her up at 3 a.m., you know, stuff happens. You know, they had sex and maybe they got into an argument and he went, I don't know, or... Maybe he did drop her off somewhere else. What the hell kind of argument could you get into? But I mean, maybe he for dropped that. her off somewhere else and someone else picked her up and killed her and brought her here. It just happened to be a coincidence or maybe they knew that they had a relationship. And well, did it drop her body here to kind of make it look like he did it? So I've read that when they searched this motel over here that he did have that color car that, that they were looking for. Honda Civic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so they had a lot pointing to him, but couldn't charge him because they really had no evidence. Correct. So typically they take uh, inmates word with a grain of salt. But however, he was bragging that, you know, he killed her. Oh, nobody's going to find out because, because there's, there's no, no evidence. evidence. Right. And then he told this inmate that the murder weapon, he hid it at his grandmother's house. Right. Something and, about um, the tackle box and yeah. where to find it. And they got a search warrant right. for the grandmother's house and found the weapon and, you know, were able to successfully charge him. But was that even, I mean, did they say for sure that that was really the murder weapon? Because I thought I had read somewhere where his brother had said that that was his. Oh, I don't know. I've read that it, it was. Oh, okay. And he tried to go with a plea of, uh, you know, oh, I was on drugs then, you know, I'm rehabilitated now. I have a four-year-old son, you know, right, please be lenient right. on me. Um, were you lenient on her? Why do you expect right. that in return? She right. also had a four-year-old child that does not have a mother. Right. I, I just thought that was weird. Like, why do you want someone to be lenient on you when obviously you weren't lenient on her? And she was only 5'2 and like 100 pounds. Yeah, yeah not so, even 100 pounds. Yeah, like it, it, it's not even anywhere near a fair fight that she could have even defended herself enough to get him off of her. Oh, it was his cousin. I just found it. It says his cousin told the jury he owned the knife that investigators pinned on the murder weapon. The cousin said he had it for about six or seven years. And just left it at grandmom's? Right. I mean... So, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I just... I don't know if there was even enough evidence except the semen. I mean, there never was any blood. I mean, can you prove that that was the murder weapon? Because I was pretty sure that the, um, the coroner who performed the autopsy said it was more of a serrated knife. And the, the knife that they found was only partially serrated. I don't, I don't know. So on his appeal, it says uh, that on May 26, 2002, her body was found in a field across from the motel in West Stafford. Her boots were on the wrong feet. Her blouse was inside out and her bra was unhooked. The autopsy showed that she had been beaten, strangled, and suffered from multiple stab and slash wounds and a vaginal swab revealed the presence of semen. And law enforcement officers looked in the rooms at the motel, but did not find evidence of a struggle or blood. And then it says a yellow Honda uh, vehicle registered to the defendant was at the motel parking lot. Officers spoke to defendant who was staying at the motel and he appeared calm. So they just left it at that? Yeah, because that's such great police work. Yeah, and <laughs> if you're a sick son of a bitch, I mean, of course you're calm. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, a normal person would be friggin', you know, going Panicking crazy. Or... 
So it said the New Jersey State Police tested the semen. During the subsequent investigation, cheek swabs were obtained from approximately 100 men, but none resulted in a positive match to the DNA obtained from the semen. In July 07, law enforcement received information from the New Jersey State Police Lab that resulted in an investigation of defendant. During a July 2007 interview with detectives, defendant reported at the time she was murdered that he was a heavy drug user and owned a yellow Honda vehicle and was staying at the motel. The defendant was shown a picture of Jennifer, but he denied knowing her. Defendant also informed his DNA was found in Jennifer's body, but he denied having sex with her and ever having been with her. The interview ended when he requested an attorney. So then it goes on to say that he returned to the police station the next day and the interview continued. He explained that he'd been petrified while giving his statement the prior day and he said that he met Jennifer at a bar, which was Adelphia's, late in the evening of May 24, 2002, and had sex with her in his car, and then dropped her off at the trailer park near the motel. And that's White Swan, right, right down the street. Right. Defendant said he went to work the next day and was paid off the books in cash. He denied killing Jennifer and provided a swab to the officers. Well, then why didn't they know then? So following his arrest, defendant was held in custody with this other person right. who they're just given initials would be HL oh, in, the, in the Gloucester County Jail. <laughs> And testified at trial that defendant said he had been staying at the hotel and had a relationship with Jennifer, which they kept secret because of the defendant's girlfriend. And the inmate described the yellow Honda CRX that the defendant owned at the time and testified defendant said he was the one that did it and that he was going to get away with it because they couldn't prove that he did it and there was no evidence. So this inmate testified that the defendant said that he and Jennifer were getting high and having sex when Jennifer refused his request for money to buy drugs. He hit her several times with his hands and stabbed her with a knife. The inmate testified defendant mentioned using a fishing knife Mm -hmm. that would not be found because he hid it. The defendant also said that he needed an alibi, so he went to work the day following the murder and to his grandmother's house to change his clothes and hide the knife. The inmate said defendant told him Jennifer wore her shoes on the wrong feet and her shirt was inside out. 
So the inmate denied revealing any discovery materials related to the case against the defendant and testified he learned all of this information about Jennifer's murder from the defendant. Trial court granted defendant's motion for acquittal on certain charges and the jury convicted defendant of first degree knowing and or purposeful murder. The court sentenced defendant to a 50-year custodial term subject to the requirements of no early release act. So that means he has to serve 85% of his time, which is 42 and a half years. So what was he... So I think basically the appeal is he was appealing. He felt that the the public defender or his attorney didn't do their due diligence in trying to exonerate him from the murder and didn't that the prosecutor like led the jury to believe certain things and there was no objections by his attorney. So he feels that his trial didn't go the way he wanted, <laughs> the way he wanted basically like he didn't get his due diligence like neither you know neither his attorney did what they were supposed to do and the prosecutors kind of like led the jury to think certain things and that's what he was trying to appeal and it was like a really short term of them reviewing it right. and denying his appeal right and even when he was being charged, the, door, the jury deliberated for 17 hours over a five-day period. And it was a nine-day trial that played out over a month because it was only two days a week. Right. Which I found weird. But, I mean, I, I just don't understand. This is so local that, you know... This is in our backyards. I mean, I lived in West Effort for years. I grew up in Woodbury. I lived in Washington Township for a while. Yeah, so it's it's very local to us. And it was really just baffling why it took them so well, long. That, and I just feel like, to me, you still don't know. Like, where did he kill her? Like... Where did he kill her? Like, how do they not investigate that? There was no blood found by her body. No pools of blood. And there had to be a there lot of blood. There had to have been a lot of blood. So did you not like thoroughly check? Like, I, it's There's so much, I think, still unanswered from this. Yeah. That, I mean, obviously we'll never know the truth, but um, it's just still baffling. Like how, and it was basically a cold case when they arrested him. So it's like, but it clearly says that they swabbed a hundred people. But why didn't you swab him? Right. Or if, if that says that they swabbed him when they were in, interrogating him, why didn't it show up as a match then? Like that. So that's later that. It, oh, they that was were from that. Okay. Him and you know he yeah, came in with just, the attorney. Like, it's just mind. It's mind-boggling to me. It is because it's really, is. it's really scary that this is so close to home and I'm going to call it shoddy police work. Oh, definitely. Like, how did you not find it? So we're at this hotel right now. So it's a little 
dirty hotel that they painted to make it look pretty and change the name since the murder happened. So at the end of this street is the court and it's just a little wooded. It's not miles of woods. And behind this little strip of woods is the 295, which is a major highway. So I don't understand, like, couldn't they have just walked through there? I mean, you're going to find a lot of blood. Like, did you search this whole area? Well, that's and the there's thing. I mean, a little strip of woods behind the motel over there. That's where it but is. But that's even less because, dense than here. But I feel like because they said it was only 53 yards from his motel room, that's a half a football field. I mean, so this was more. This is more of a half a football field, I guess. But you don't think maybe it's the woods across the street, do you? Because, no, I mean, because they said the, the 295. Highs. Oh, yeah, that's right. So this is close to the 295. So somebody would have had to come here, and you would have had to drag her body. How was there no blood from wherever they found her body? Yeah. Was the body just laying right here where we're sitting? Was the, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of hard to, if he, has this fence always been here? Like, And if he put her in her car, like, yeah. There'd be a bunch of blood there well, that's too. The thing. Like, why did they not check his car or any vehicles? Like, for everyone anything. and anyone that was staying here. Right, exactly. For any type of evidence. So I had read it was 151 feet, which I'm not good at math. So I don't know if it's the same distance or not. But going by that, this is the only place I can imagine he would have put her. So if you go on the other side of that motel, which would be behind it, like where the bathroom windows are instead of the front door, mm -hmm. there's a little strip of trees. I'm not really going to call it woods, but maybe it's 10 feet wide. So I don't think but, it's I mean, that. So and it was. I think it's that. It could be. No, because how many years ago are we talking about? They had to be little witty bitties. You know what I mean? These are decent, full-grown trees. They yeah. would have been here. I mean. And I think this greenhouse right here has been here forever. So, I mean, there's really no street lights back here. So, I, I guess so you... we're not staying too long. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess you could do whatever you want. I mean, yeah. It's, it, I would think at nighttime, it's pretty damn dark. And if he picked her up at 3 a.m., you know what I mean? In, in May, so it gets light at by what? 6.30, 7 o'clock? Yeah, so we're only into the beginning of June, so not much different than today. Right, so 6.30, 7 o'clock, it starts to get light. If he picked her up at 3, it had to have been something that happened pretty pretty quick, I would think. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's so much unknown to this. Um, Which I think is why he was, in appeal, it was appealing, because I feel like they didn't, they didn't have all of the evidence. I mean, all they really had is semen and hearsay and possibly the murder weapon. Yeah. But what other evidence do you have? If he, if he in fact, did have some type of DL on the DL relationship with her, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're going based off someone telling you this is what he said. To me, that's hearsay. So I can't even tell how far we're into it. Right. But 
So, I guess the only good thing that happened is that, you know, the daughter lived with the father, uh, was highly into sports, went to college, and because this happened, she got into criminal justice. Yes. I, I just think it's sad, and I can't for the life of me, like, I went to Woodbury. I don't know who this Brian character is or his family. You know, we grew up on those streets, yeah. Dubois, so I don't, I don't even know who it is. Well, but you got to think, too, back in 2002, he was 24. Yeah, I was older. Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible you wouldn't have, wouldn't have known. But I'm thinking his parents have lived. I mean, for a the long name time. might be would would probably be the only thing that would sound familiar. And um, I don't think I read where it said he went to school. No, I didn't read that either. But I would think so. Dubois. I think half the street goes to Woodbury. The other half of the street goes to West Effort because it's right there mm-hmm. on that city line. So. No matter where he went, it was right around here. But, you know, from other people that I know that knew of her said that, you know, she probably wasn't dating him. I mean, she had so much going for her. Why would she date some ass that lived in this dirty motel? Joining the Air Force, I can't imagine that she had any kind of serious drug problem. So I don't kind of buy that either, but but it's just so sad that you're you're never going to know, you know, a hundred percent what happened. Which I'm sure her family just wants to, you know, move on, and they they really don't want to know these things. Now the family was in there for the trials, uh, and said that he showed no remorse, like. Yeah. You can see the pictures on NJ.com of the family. He didn't even look remorseful Yeah, during no, the trial. No remorse, no apologies, right. no no nothing. I mean, he thought he was going to get away with it. Yeah, he definitely did. But it certainly did take them a long time. And, you know, quite a, a few, a lot of people, whatever, were convinced that, you know, no one was ever going to be charged for this because it took so long. So, I am glad that, you know, someone was charged and, you know, the family got some, I don't know, type some of kind closure. of closure. Right. And so now there's two kids out there that are missing a parent because of his stupidity. Right. I don't I mean, I don't think it affected her daughter at all. She really flourished as a as a scholar athlete. Um, she was very well um, rewarded as an athlete. Um, she seems to have a very loving relationship with the rest of her family. Um, I'm sure it affected her, but at some point, yeah, yeah. but she was so young. I mean, you know what I mean? How much it it also goes, she was four, like how much before four do you really remember of your childhood? You know what I mean? So sad to say, like, unless her family keeps, you know, her, her mother's memory alive, how much does she really know about her mother? And I had read that, you know... She, obviously, the dad had custody of her after, you know, the murder. 
but she was still very close to both sides. Right. As, oh, oh, yeah. as it should be. Right, absolutely. You know, but I can't imagine being a kid and losing my mom and the police just berating the father. Right. Exactly mm-hmm. to the point where he has to file some kind of injunction to stop harassing me. Yeah. <laughs> And they kept insisting that they wanted him to take a lie detector test, Mm -hmm. which you can't use in court anyway, which he refused because, you know, they're temperamental. What if it said that he was lying and then you're going to charge him with murder and now this little girl's going to have no parents? So I totally understand his part. Like, I, I... I don't know if I would take it either. I like, don't think I would either. I don't know how much I even like trust those things. Yeah. Like, what if you had it goes, an espresso? It goes, it goes back. Right, exactly. <laughs> what if I just left Starbucks yeah. with a double shot of espresso? Like, like, I don't trust those things. I don't think they're really accurate. Yeah, I, I don't either. And, you know, um, finally they left him alone. And I mean, that works for Maury and all. But when it comes to this kind of stuff... <laughs> But, like, I guess they they were just after any bone because yeah. the case was so cold. And it wasn't until he got arrested for uh, crack right. cocaine right. that they did the DNA. And well, it's kind of weird because at one point I did read that they were investigating him since 2006. So it took them four years to investigate him for her murder. But then it confirmed it when they had to do a DNA test when he got arrested for drugs. Like, it was yeah, weird. Well, I know a lot of the time that he wasn't being charged because there just wasn't enough, enough evidence. Right. So, I, I don't mean, think he was fully charged until they found the knife. Well, I don't, well maybe. Because then they had semen and a knife. Right, and, and they had the the common cause. He was here, that car, and how close her body was found. I mean, but not that all murders they put the body there. Some of them take them out of state. Right. I mean, so they just didn't have enough evidence to charge him. So we're sitting here at the end of the street, <laughs> and we see these shady characters at the motel just walking around. <laughs> walking around, looking down this way. Well, I'm sure we look away. shady as hell sitting here at the end of the street <laughs> doing a podcast. But so, I mean, at, at least he was charged. And I, I like the fact that they do this 85%. Because a lot of people get out a hell of a lot sooner than Oh, I. yeah. Absolutely. Is that something new? Um, I don't think so. I think it's always been that way. Really? Because you see people get out with half the time. It depends. This has I think, to be. Situations. I think it depends on the on Is the it because it's felony murder? Yes, I think so. I think felony you have to serve so much. And it all depends on how it's sentenced. Too, like what the wording is when you're sentenced, I feel has a lot to do with it. And they must have had enough evidence if the jury only deliberated for 17 hours. Right. I mean, that's not a long, drawn out No, it is definitely not. Process. Um, no, it's not. I, and I feel like there was, they must have had enough, I guess, evidence, I guess, is. 
or they presented enough evidence that it didn't take them long to yeah. deliberate. Well, enough of a story. I mean, the inmate was in jail for uh, two pharmacy robberies, so. Right. But I think also part of his appeal, apparently, I don't know if you read this, I don't know if you read this, but um, one of the, in the appeal, one juror said five days after the conviction that she thought her verdict was wrong. And she went along with everybody in the last half hour or hour of deliberation. Wow. Yeah. So, and then, so that's part of the appeal because he figured, he feels like his lawyer should have interviewed the juror about whether she was improperly influenced during the deliberations. Well, how does he know? I guess when he was doing his appeal, they did, and they had interviewed some jurors or like for whatever. And she, she, um, it says here that the court should have interviewed a juror who said she regretted convicting him. Yeah. It only takes one. That the jury was not properly instructed on corroborating the defendant's testimony. And that the prosecutor at the time um, basically kind of pushed for them to convict him. Yeah, but I like how after he came with his attorney, he said that they were in a a hush-hush relationship because of his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Right. But again, if you're having consensual sex, why are your shoes on the wrong feet, your bra's not hooked, and your shirt's inside out? I mean, I've never gotten dressed that way because I really can't walk well, in shoes that are on the wrong feet. I mean, no, you can't, but I can see not having your bra strapped and maybe your clothes being inside out, especially if they did have sex in the car and maybe you were rushing to put your clothes on because someone was approaching. But you still because can't I walk I'm with d- your shoes no, on No, you feet. cannot. That is true. But And I'm going to guess, if you're at Adelphia's, we typically get dressed up. She probably had heels on, so you're definitely not walking in them with the wrong feet. Well, I think I said they were like boots or something. Yeah. So, something like that. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've left places without undergarments. <laughs> um, <laughs> and clothes on backwards and inside out. So, but no, the shoes, definitely. So, I mean, who knows? It's just, you know, it's like I said... Uh, it's possible that they had consensual sex in the car and something else happened or someone else happened. I don't know. It's, it's, you'll never know. But, but everyone thought that they had enough evidence to convict him. So, and here we stand. And the jury of his peers right. convicted him. Right. So guilty he is. Correct. But it's really sad that his kid now is missing a parent. Her kid's missing a parent who her kid's an adult, maybe. Yeah. I don't I don't know how old his well, kid is. Well she was be. four at two thousand well, they were both four in two thousand two. No, um Jennifer's daughter was, was four when she was murdered. Right. His kid was four when he was charged, so oh. that was like ten years later. So I guess he's still a teenager. Right. So if she was four in two thousand two and then she's twenty six now. Yeah. And he's, so he was charged in 12, so that so, was 10 years ago. Yeah, about 10 years ago. So that kid's like a teenager. Right. 
But so with that, uh, we're going to end this because it's getting dark and nobody <laughs> wants to be in the woods when it's dark, especially when you know someone else was murdered oh here near the dirty the hotel. Look and there's... Look, she's swinging. Oh, she must be a high price, a low price hooker. <laughs> so I will take a couple of pictures and uh, post them on the social media. So... You can uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. It's Robin and Stephanie's Crimeaholics Podcast. And when I post this podcast, I'll also post pictures of where we are. Till the next adventure. <laughs> um, I would like to keep doing local crime, but yeah. it's, it's really hard to get enough information to do a podcast about it. Uh, we unless, can try to do as many locals as we kind of maybe throw in a famous one here and there. Yeah, because this is fun being on site. Yeah, it is kind of fun. <laughs> I'm getting drinks next time. <laughs> Tailgating at a murder scene. <laughs> and again, this is our opinions, our conclusions. Uh, we did research on the internet. You can do the same thing. Maybe you have a different conclusion. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on the social medias. And uh, until next week, mm -hmm. guys, have yourself a good night. And thank you for listening. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>